Many of you will know Gabor already because he is the executive director of IHS Global, which was responsible for, for overseeing the rollout of the saline solution training all around the world. Over 40,000 healthcare professionals have now been trained to be able to give an account of their faith with sensitivity, permission, and respect. And ICMDA is one of the founder members of the International Saline Partnership. So we've worked together for many years. At Gabor's first international saline training back in 1999, he had what he calls an aha moment when he first realized how he could integrate his ministry and his job as a family physician. And during the years since, he's had many opportunities to speak with patients and colleagues about Jesus. And the Lord, by his grace, has even allowed him to see uh, some patients giving their lives to, to Christ. It's become very clear to Gabor over in the 21st century that uh, the frontiers of evangelization are in workplaces and recreational activities. And he's very grateful to God that he can be a part of this ministry, working closely with IHS Global and Saline Partnerships. Gabor is based in and comes from Hungary. Uh, I couldn't finish this introduction without saying that Gabor has been sharing his life with his wife, Gabby, for over 30 years. They're really thankful to God for blessing them with nine children and six grandchildren thus far. He, he loves uh, and enjoys sport and music. If you ever get the chance to hear him play the clarinet, uh, grab it. And uh, his favorite recreational activity is horseback riding. So a man with uh, many interesting elements to his life. But Gabor, we're really grateful to have you today on ICMDA webinars and look forward to hearing you speak on sharing faith with patients and colleagues. Over to you, brother. Thank you. Thank you, Peter. What a privilege to be uh, with you all. And thank you for joining. And uh, I feel myself very honored uh, that I can talk in the next uh, uh, couple of minutes to all of you. ICMDA is very close to my, uh, my heart. I grew up in a family uh, where we had many, many visitors from around the world since my mother was the uh, first president of CMF Hungary. And uh, it's back in the uh, Iron Curtain uh, season. So under communist uh, occupation, uh, many brave brothers and sisters came over the borders to encourage us and many of them were connected and related to uh, ICMDA or different CMFs. So uh, I grew up in that uh, environment. So it's very natural to me to be part of ICMDA. But as I told you, I'm feeling honored uh, with this opportunity to talk on how to share uh, faith uh, with patients and colleagues. Yeah. So I remember back uh, to my early uh, Christian life as a, already as a, as a young child, I, I felt I'm called to be an evangelist. When Billy Graham visited Hungary back in the early uh, 1970s, uh, I had a chance to get a, a personal handwritten uh, dedication into my Billy Graham Bible from him. And I was very, very proud of it. So I always uh, wanted and waited for the opportunity to talk to many uh, uh, preaching the, the gospel. So when I 
grew up and I was active in churches. Um, very naturally, I joined to the outreach teams. I led uh, different outreaches, different scales, and uh, not quite as big, of course, as Billy Graham did, but um, that was my uh, primary calling. So I remember back on a, uh, one certain occasion when we prepared a children's uh, day um, activity in Budapest in a park. A whole week we prepared, invited people, inviting people, uh, cleaning up the park, uh, preparing the the stage, the music, etc. So at the end of uh, Sunday evening, when all the activities were done, I felt like a wholly tired one who was working a lot for Jesus. And uh, with this feeling, I complained uh, to my wife, to Gabi, that, wow, tomorrow I need to go to work. And then she asked me, how many patients are you going to see tomorrow? And I thought, too many of them, uh, maybe 40 or 50. And then she asked another question, how many invitation cards did you spread out to get so many patients to your practice? I asked, what are you talking about? I don't need to ask them, they are just coming. And then she thought, that's the point. So it's better to pray for them. And that was, uh, wow. That was the first time, uh, technically, uh, I, I recognized my practice as a great place to meet people and share uh, the good news. And some years later, as, as Peter told, I had the chance to, uh, to listen to the Sailing Solution, the very original one from CMDA uh, USA back in 99. And that was an aha uh, moment. And I purposefully started to integrate my faith to the uh, practice using the techniques what I learned. Later, uh, I was uh, moving more and more into teaching and, uh, and equipping others and I understood that as an evangelist, my primary calling is to equip others to be able to share the gospel. So that's how I'm uh, here today. And uh, integrating faith is following Acts 1.8, but you will receive power when the Holy Spirit comes on you, will be my witnesses in Jerusalem and the own Judea, Samaria, and to the ends of the earth. And I got engaged with saline, with the saline process for uh, now more than 20 years. And I want to be ac active to equip healthcare workers to be witnesses for Christ in their clinical settings. So uh, let's do that today. Just a quick taster and some basic ideas. And of course, I cannot replace a whole course in a webinar like this. But at least I want to encourage you, if you feel the same what I felt, I think it's a good calling from God and uh, move further on to know and practice more. To be effective at workplaces, we have to understand that the journey to faith is not an event, but more a whole process, um, which is, includes at least three different phases, cultivation, or cultivating, sowing, and harvesting. John 4 uh, speaks clearly about the different roles of sharing the good news. And uh, we are joining together as a team and focusing on different steps of the different uh, phases. 
in our uh, workplaces, there are very few real moments to harvest. And if we want to use the, the typical uh, tools and methods of uh, harvesting, we might uh, make failures and we get frustrated too. But we have multiple opportunities. Every day we have opportunities to participate in cultivation and sowing. And sometimes God gives uh, great moments of harvest. But uh, we are called to be part of the process and whatever step, uh, it is the next step of our patient or our colleague. We are called to be there and help him or her to make that very next step. Francis Graham, the founder of uh, Healthcare Christian Fellowship International, uh, recognized in the uh, first part of 20th century that every week more people walk through the doors of hospitals than through the doors of churches. I think in our time, it is even more true. Uh, many studies are showing that, for example, in the UK, 95% uh, of the people get in contact with national health services in two years, and only uh, around 10% of the people are going regularly to churches. So uh, it's a huge opportunity, and it's not only the numbers, but also people who are coming to our clinical settings, they are thinking about eternity. They have questions in their minds, in their hearts. They are very open or more open to meaningful discussion than average people uh, on the street. So uh, healthcare provides great opportunity, but uh, we all feel that it's not easy because there are barriers in ourselves, in our systems, and of course, in the patient's life. Uh, I don't want to detail too much about our own barriers. We, we feel it, time, uh, restrictions, um, lack of training uh, or lack of faith, I think significant barriers in me. But let's focus a little bit more on the patient's barrier, patient side. Uh, the barriers in patients uh, originally are or basically are spiritual. And Ephesians 2 speaks very clearly about the spiritual death, which is the status of one who doesn't know Jesus Christ. But the manifestation of this spiritual barrier on a human psychic level, it is emotional, intellectual, and volitional. The three solid uh, uh, blocks on the slide, they are representing the three uh, different types of, uh, of barriers which are preventing our patient or our colleague to see Christ. They, are only, they only can see the closest and the largest barrier to themselves. What can we do? So let's uh, think through quickly the three different barriers. First one is the emotional barriers, which are based on bad experience, personal or historical collective experience about uh, unethical or uh, scandalous uh, scandal, scandal, uh, Christians who did some uh, bad thing against personally or uh, generally uh, throughout the history. That's why people feel negative against uh, even God or Jesus. Uh, they don't trust uh, God because there is denial, indifference, mistrust, antagonism in their hearts. 
What can we do? Reflect the light to the dark place, stay there, be connected, and we need to develop trustful relationships. Isn't healthcare a great place for doing that? Through professional service, good character, we can develop trustful relationships. And if we do so, um, they start to trust the uh, messenger and then they are ready to listen the message. So this is mainly the cultivation phase when we are dealing with the emotional barriers. But next is the sewing phase. Uh, intellectual barriers are based on false or wrong information. So bad uh, uh, experience is the basis of the emotional barrier. Bad information is the basis of intellectual barriers. Ignorance, misconceptions, wrong beliefs. Uh, our treatment to it is sharing the seeds of truth. Little uh, truth seeds are sown into the hearts, the minds of the people, sharing Bible verses, meaningful conversations, watching or challenging them to watch some videos helps to, uh, to undermine the intellectual barriers. And the Holy Spirit can uh, bring up the right knowledge of God into our patients and colleagues' life. And when we are done with that, then the harvest can come when uh, we are dealing with the volitional barriers. This is the will. Uh, how many patients or colleagues uh, told you that, I know this is your life, it is working, I like you, but I live my life, my way. And uh, social pressure, practical pressures, or, or just the unwillingness of change uh, uh, characterize the, uh, the volitional barriers. But a prayerful time, invitation to outreaches or challenge the will for decision at the God-given time can help uh, patients to come over the volitional barrier and meet Jesus. And then their next phase is to participate in the multiplication they might walk along with another patient or with another colleague or with a neighbor who is on their journey. So this is the basic of our uh, concept of uh, sharing faith, walking through the journey with patients. And to do it effective, we need to uh, consider uh, five different C words. <clears throat> To make a positive spiritual influence requires Christ-like character, professional competence, compassion, wise communication, and courage. Just think about a lazy doctor who is uh, doing a poor job and uh, people are uh, unhappy with him. That's not the best uh, witness for Jesus. So we need to take care, good care about our professional competence and showing Christ-like character. If we do so, the first two C uh, words will give us godly authority and opportunities to, uh, to address or answer questions. I think uh, all over the world and in whole healthcare, very important to do anything and everything with permission, sensitivity, and respect. 
even spiritual care or sharing the gospel or sharing the faith has to be done within permission, sensitivity, and respect. I think this is also providing us quite a protection in uh, the growing secular uh, uh, scenario in the Western hemisphere and also in uh, some anti-Christian uh, uh, aggressive uh, waves of the Eastern hemisphere. So permission, sensitive respect is not only the key uh, words of good medicine, but also key words of sharing faith uh, with patients. Always be prepared to give an answer to anyone who asks you to give the reason for the hope that you have, but do it with gentleness and respect. What a great line from Peter. Uh, so the Bible also reminds us permission, sensitivity, respect. During the sailing uh, process course, we uh, introduce eight tools, prayer, questions, spiritual history, faith flags, faith stories, truth prescription, gospel presentation, and spiritual referral team. We don't go into uh, any of these details today, but they are powerful tools into our spiritual black bag. We can use differently them at the different phases of the journey. But trust me, they are uh, good tools, even in a busy uh, family practice. I, I heard surgeon, surgical practices uh, can be used, uh, some of these tools. So they are helpful uh, for healthcare workers um, to be effective uh, sharing faith with patients. The sailing process, the training self uh, addresses five questions. Why is faith important in healthcare? What are the opportunities and the barriers uh, to fulfilling God's call? What is my part? What tools will help me cultivate, sow, and harvest? And where do I go from here? We are so happy to work together. Uh, nine uh, partner organizations since 2007. And this is not just uh, uh, just a superficial partnership, but this is a, a covenant-based uh, working partnership for more than a decade now, based on shared vision, shared mission, shared priorities, and shared tool. Um, and our vision is not less than for every Christian healthcare worker to participate in the Great Commission. That's why we equip them to be uh, witnesses and the priority is pray and faithful activity. And the shared tool is the sailing process. Uh, because of the work of this uh, international sailing partnership, uh, every continent is uh, already, uh, on every continent, the sailing process was introduced. Uh, the red uh, countries are the government restricted uh, countries. Uh, the light red are the hostile uh, environment and the green countries, let's say the free. But we see also growing, uh, we see growing restrictions, even in the free world. But thank God, uh, the sailing process uh, and the, the way we teach uh, with our partners can be used in uh, um, 
in uh, different cultures, in different spiritual backgrounds, and in different governmental uh, backgrounds. The number of the countries are uh, growing, and uh, this is right now one, uh, two, three. So 123 countries are uh, touched by the sailing process. And uh, the number of the trained and equipped witnesses are over 40,000. In the last two years, there is a slight uh, uh, slowing down. It's because of COVID. Uh, we hope that uh, as we learn to live with uh, the uh, with COVID and uh, hopefully the pandemic is over, uh, we can uh, get back to the rhythm and uh, grow further uh, within uh, even within your participation. We celebrated on a blended uh, training the forty thousand uh, witnesses. And uh, there are more than 27 languages and cultural adaptations are available. So most likely each of you uh, can find close to you uh, a working uh, movement of the sailing process with a close to you language and culture. Let me uh, start a short video here to introduce the partnership. Welcome to the sailing process witness training. We are glad that you're here and believe that God has a divine purpose with this day to answer the call of Acts 1-8 to be his witnesses to the ends of the earth. He wants to call you and encourage you to partner with him in his work at your workplace as salt and light and a witness of his redeeming love. IHS Global is glad to be a steward of this material and has the privilege to provide it to you through our partner organizations of the International Sailing Partnership. The Sailing process is more than just one-time training. It's a global movement of Christian healthcare workers who want to be witnesses to Jesus Christ. We believe that our growth as witnesses best happens through communities. Therefore, we invite you to become involved in one of the International Saline Partnership organizations in your country and also to stay connected with the Global Saline Process family through the Saline online community provided by IHS Global. We thank God for you and we pray that he will use the Saline Process Witness Training for his glory and for his purposes. So the next steps in the process, uh, three equally uh, important elements. We identified three equally important elements. One is of course the content. Uh, the sailing process witness training is originally a 10 hour training course. Uh, through the COVID season, uh, we developed together with our partners, uh, different formats. So we have complete uh, uh, virtual training, uh, different segments uh, like uh, four time, two hours, or etc. There's blended models uh, now used uh, throughout the world. So basically, it's a 10 hours course, but we have in different formats available now. We also provide sailing process online training, which is a self learning tool. It's a free course. You can click on ihsglobal.org spot and uh, follow the course in your rhythm. 
Coaching and encouragement is very important. So follow-up, connecting with sailing coach through the partner organizations, the sailing process training the trainer. So you can get involved in, uh, in teaching the sailing later. Uh, coaching is very important once again. And then thirdly, community. Community uh, with other, uh, other uh, believers, with other witnesses fellowship through the partner organizations, but also online, uh, we created the Christian Healthcare Prayer Network on Facebook. And for those who are uh, uh, trained uh, anywhere in the world with the sailing uh, process, we offer the sailing online community. But basically the local Christian fellowships, the CMFs, uh, in the body of ICMDA, they are supposed to provide the vital community of uh, the witnesses around the world. Thank you, Peter. I'm very happy to share with uh, you guys uh, one of one or few uh, patient stories, if anyone is interested in. But uh, I would give it back to you, uh, Peter, from here to uh, lead the. Uh, questions and answers and uh, so thank you so much for your uh, uh, kind uh, attention. Thanks very much Gabor just for an excellent overview of course this is a 10-hour course and Gabor's given us today a taster which shows us some of the main elements of it and uh, like all tasters I hope it will make you hungry for more and if you've not yet been on a saline course let me encourage you to do it. They're offered through all of the nine uh, partner organizations in the International Saline Partnership of which ICMBA is one. So information on our website about upcoming courses. Uh, Gabor, you've, you've, uh, you've tempted us uh, just in your last comments. And, and the first question I wanted to ask from on behalf of Jean Rudd, who's saying thanks for the excellent overview. Could you share perhaps one or two specific stories of how God has used saline to change individual lives from your experience. Thanks. Thank you. Uh, I have some, uh, I, I still got chills when I, I look back, uh, you know, when, when we got into the real time of, of the Holy Spirit in our uh, own practices, um, I remember back there was a, a World War II uh, vet, uh, veteran uh, in my uh, practice who, who saw so many terrible things in his life that he, he had a heart uh, like a stone. Uh, he also messed up his marriages and he was a, quite a bitter guy. And uh, uh, with cultivation, uh, we could uh, start to soften the heart and there was a time when after using some, uh, of course, questions, listening to him and some faith flags, I went to visit him in a home visit. <laughs> we did many of them uh, in Hungary when I was a family doc and they were the best environment for spiritual uh, conversations. And he asked me, doctor, you are a scientist. Do you really believe in resurrection? And what a, what a question. And so that was an open door to start to talk and challenge him back that you don't believe in. And uh, of course, uh, meaningful uh, conversation came out from it. And it turned out that in, as a child, he had a faith. 
but uh, he lost it when he saw all the terrible things uh, in war. And, uh, and from that uh, question of him, there was a turning point and very uh, carefully, but we could uh, move forward and he could re-engage his life to Jesus, uh, which was amazing. Uh, the difficult part was that he had so many broken relationships in, around with his family. And uh, I did not see the whole recovery in that area, but uh, with his son, he could uh, re-engage also his relationship. That was a wonderful uh, uh, fact that I could be a small part of it. Um, or another uh, lady who, who had a very bad type of uh, pulmonary cancer, and uh, he was bipolar in all his life, uh, very difficult relationship with uh, his daughter and the daughter was a saint an angel taking care about this elderly uh, sick mother and she was not walking not because she had such a bad uh, physical condition but she she was just completely uh, uh, she did not have any hope uh, so i faith prescription or truth prescription. Uh, I brought a, a personal copy of the Bible. Of course, some cultivation happened already uh, before. And I, I put a, a truth prescription, a faith prescription in, into Psalm 23. And I told, oh, uh, I brought this gift to you and uh, you should read uh, this Psalm. She was Catholic. She never read uh, herself the Bible. Um, three times a day, uh, out loud for a week, and I come back a week later. And the lady was walking. She was up uh, in the house, changed smile, and she told that, wow, this is amazing. Do you allow me to read other parts of the Bible too? I thought, of course. And from that time, every week we, uh, when I did my visit to her, uh, we went to another uh, part of the Bible. And she was not healed from the pulmonary cancer, but she was living one and a half year uh, more. And uh, when I went to the funeral, the, the daughter told me that, doctor, I'm so thankful to God because my relationship with my mom was never as good as in the last one and a half year uh, of her life. So God was gracious. I don't want to take your valuable time, but you asked me, <laughs> Peter, and these memories are just coming back. Uh, and uh, I could tell you about the wise uh, ambassador from Saudi Arabia, uh, which was quite interesting, but that's probably not to the Facebook publicity. <laughs> uh, great, great stories. And uh, you, you've alluded in the talk, you mentioned the, the eight tools that are used, and, and you've talked just in these testimonies you've shared about the use of faith flags and questions and spiritual prescriptions. I love that, you know, take Psalm 23 three times a day <laughs> through, through your eyes, I guess, rather than orally. But um, And then it's the transforming power of the word, word of God. But I know questions pose a big part in sharing one's faith with sensitivity, permission, and respect. Gabor, can you share with us just some of your uh, most useful questions, questions that you've found have been helpful in opening up possibilities for discussion? What are some good questions to ask people? 
Yeah, thank you. Any open question is good, which is uh, expressing interest in, uh, in the personal life. And uh, I don't have prescriptive questions here, but any honest question, which is gives uh, an opportunity to people to uh, start to talk. Of course, if uh, we can take the spiritual history, which is, I do believe it's a medical uh, tool, and this is a uh, published, uh, I, I would say this is the part of the saline solution or saline process, which has already became part of uh, modern uh, mainstream medicine. So if we can use these specific questions, that usually gives us more opportunity right there or later on to, uh, to open up the, uh, the spiritual sphere uh, with patients. And that's a great thing that at most places of the world, they are safe to be used. If we use them, uh, of course, with uh, permission, respect, and uh, sensitivity. Yeah, and was Saline, of course, points out in the course the uh, well-documented scientific evidence about the relationship between faith and health. And so if you're not taking a spiritual history and understanding a person's worldview and presuppositions and beliefs, then you're really not doing your job properly as a doctor. And that was a great insight for me learning it. Can, can you just enlarge a bit, Gabor, on spiritual history? Give us some examples of two or three questions that one might ask in the course of taking a spiritual history that you could put into your functional inquiry when you're seeing a patient. Uh, I, as a family doctor, could use mostly the FICA model, which is faith. Uh, uh, I is like uh, importance. So F-I-C-A. So first question is about the faith. Uh, do you have any kind of uh, faith in, uh, in, in supernatural power or any type of God? We can always address this question on the way which fits to our culture. And then the second, if yes, uh, does it affect uh, to your, uh, your everyday life or your medical uh, decisions? And then uh, the, uh, the last question, uh, do you practice it in any way, in any community? And how can I assist you uh, to feel comfortable in this uh, medical setting? I think for doctors, this uh, three or four questions are uh, enough, but not too long uh, to be asked. And uh, I usually just put it into the, uh, into the regular flow of my taking a history. Like after allergies, I asked, uh, do you have any drug allergy? And then I thought you might be surprised with my next questions, but uh, uh, both loads of, uh, of medical evidences are showing that uh, faith is important. And I want to treat you uh, the best I can. So I have three or four questions, which are medical questions, but they are about spirituality. And then I ask the questions. And when we are ready, we go for, and how many times do you go to the bathroom at night? So it's, it's a safe environment. Uh, it's just a part of my regular uh, uh, questions. Nurses, if we have nurses on the call, they like to use the HOPE model, which is uh, more uh, fit better to the nursing uh, 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 science or nursing practice. 
And praise God, there is a third uh, published model, which is the open and continue model, which is kind of any question, open and invite. Uh, so two questions, one open, one invite, that if you have any, uh, uh, anything in the future throughout, which makes you uh, feeling more comfortable with your spiritual needs, I'm here, I'm open, and I invite you to, uh, uh, to share it with me. So we, we have plenty different uh, ways to do it. I personally uh, use the FICA, F-I-C-A, you can go online and uh, check it out, uh, all the literature about it. Great, and so we can see how these questions, they don't take long to ask or to get answers. You don't have to deal with them then, you can go back to it later, but it's information that you tuck away. And uh, they do open things up and they can be integrated seamlessly into your other questions so that it doesn't create embarrassment and as you say everything done with sensitivity permission and respect we've got quite a few people asking questions about hostile environments Gabor and you you mentioned uh, in passing the fear of militant atheism in the west and and we know how in the west even people are using the emotional vulnerability of the patient as a reason to clamp down on any faith discussions and even to report Christian health care workers who discuss the Christian faith, even if they've had permission from the, from the patient. And uh, so there's this fear of professional regulators disciplining you, perhaps even your, your right to practice being put in danger, your career under, under threat. Do you have any advice to people working in these kind of environments about how they can deal wisely with this challenge? Yes, um, I think... Um the sailing process gives a good framework uh, to do it well. And Peter, you are, uh, I think, the, one of the uh, wisest men uh, in that area, how we can handle the secular uh, threat. Uh, you did a lot of uh, talk on that. So everyone who, is, uh, who, who has more questions than I would suggest Peter is, is our guy to, uh, to answer. But I don't want to refuse to answer. First of all, is it legal to be a witness of Jesus? Was it legal throughout the history? So the, the largest question to me is, uh, I am called to be a witness of Jesus, and sometimes it is illegal, but still I am. And uh, I think the Bible is very, very clear about it, that this is a primary uh, uh, identity uh, comparing to any citizenship or or other uh, earthly uh, status. So that's the very first one. In China, uh, when we went first to China, a young brother uh, told me that the biggest barrier is lack of faith. If we have faith, we can overcome all the barriers. That's what he told. They are living like this for uh, ages. Unfortunately, in the West, we are facing more and more uh, uh, militant forms of, uh, of uh, secularism. I grew up during the communist time. My mother was fired from the hospital because she had a Bible in her room. So here in Eastern Europe, uh, we have experience about it. Unfortunately, Western Europe or North America is heading toward these uh, situations. 
So there is a risk, brothers and sisters, that's for sure. But let me share a, a testimony from a brother in Egypt. He is an ophthalmologist. He was in prison for the gospel. And he was a participant on our meeting, uh, on our training, sailing training. And I thought, oh my goodness, you are a hero of faith. Could we do anything good to help you? And he thought, oh yes, I'm not uh, afraid to risk my life uh, for Jesus. But now I have a way to do it safe. So that's how not risking unnecessarily. So the sailing process gave him a, a way to share uh, the good news, which is relative safe. And of course, uh, times we can get in trouble. But I think we can uh, make a good, honest, uh, high level of medicine, integrating our faith in different cultures by using the three major words, uh, permission, sensitivity, and respect. And then uh, the scientific umbrella uh, gives us uh, protection. Why do we integrate? And oh, by the way, the multicultural uh, countries in Europe, we need to uh, be sensitive and learn much about different spiritualities. So I think, uh, in that regard, the uh, Hindu and Muslim and other faith uh, groups are uh, very keen to, uh, to speak up their rights for a religion. And uh, we have to understand them. So uh, I do believe it is safe and it is legal if we do it well, but we always take risk. Yes, and thanks for emphasizing that, that there, there is a risk, and we have to be honest about that. I think of the apostles being told not to preach the gospel by the religious leaders, and of course their response was to say, well, we obey God and not men, so we, we've got to remember where authority comes from and count the cost, but as you say, if we do this with sensitivity, permission, and respect, and gentleness, then uh, we will avoid a lot of the problems that we might be afraid of and i think the the devil the evil one will always frighten us and intimidate us into into silence when in fact god will work when we step out with courage and compassion so and Peter, uh, yeah. quite frankly i think this uh, western uh, uh, persecution helping us not to do the wrong things yeah it is forcing us to uh, to act from our hearts for the benefit of my patient or my colleague and not taking uh, hunting adventures or other uh, uh, aggressive ways of evangelization. So I think it's, it's even helping us to shape uh, our tools uh, more Christ-like than, uh, than we did earlier. And that, of course, you know, two of your keys, your five keys work Christ-like character and also wise communication. Yeah, that, that's great. We've got a question here from, from Gwyneth Bounds-Forbes, who is asking, have you ever used the saline process principles when, when seeing a patient in the presence of a non-Christian colleague? Or do you only do this when you're alone with the, with the patient? That's a great question. Safe environment is very important, uh, which is safe to the patient and to the uh, colleague. 
Uh, it is, uh, yes, I did uh, with taking spiritual history, especially and asking questions. I would never share the gospel. I would never offer a prayer, uh, uh, theoretically never, but uh, uh, only if the Holy Spirit uh, urged me to do. But uh, I think uh, asking questions and taking spiritual history, even uh, to share a faith flag, uh, it is safe. I remember Professor Ravenscroft from Australia uh, telling, telling us that he encouraged the medical school in which he taught to incorporate taking a spiritual history as part of good medicine. So every single student, regardless of their, their faith background, came to believe it was perfectly normal to ask things like, do you have a faith that helps you at times like this? And are you a member of a faith community? And so on. So we shouldn't be um, you know, shrinking back on this. Steve Sartori here is asking the question, says, great presentation. What's the impact on the lives of the healthcare professionals who take this training and use it in their practice? That's a big question, but, but perhaps you could give us an example or two of you know, the kind of transformation you see in people who, who uh, do saline training. Well, Steve, thank you for the question. You know, your presence and your impact was transformational to my practice. So brother, thank you. And, uh, and um, I think that's the way how uh, if a mentor, if a coach can help a younger one to, uh, to go through the, uh, the sailing process and in, put it into practice. We did uh, a, a survey, a scientific uh, research in the UK uh, which the first phase is done. It is a retrospective study uh, to check the impact of the saline process uh, among the healthcare workers. And uh, the, the results are very impressive. They ranked as strong as their local church influence in their, uh, in their uh, spiritual uh, status. So very impressive. We are going to uh, conduct the prospective study too and hopefully uh, having encouraging uh, uh, results there too. As Simon David here is asking Gabor the question, do you have to be um, have medical training? Do you, you have to be a medical health professional to use the kind of tools that you're teaching about in the saline process? Or, or do they have more general and wider application just to ordinary believers who aren't healthcare professionals? I think healthcare provides great opportunities, a very privileged uh, position to the providers, but the tools can be used uh, everywhere, most of the tools. Of course, prescription is uh, probably the exception or taking a form of spiritual history. Uh, IHS Global is challenged by many of our brothers and sisters, or we were challenged uh, for several years and uh, we are about to launch Salt and Light, which is a general uh, witness training uh, with the same uh, principles, but uh, going beyond healthcare. So the answer, yes, but we all believe that healthcare has a unique uh, and very privileged opportunity. A question here about referral, Gabor. Um, you know, how much can we do as healthcare professionals and, and at what point should we thinking 
be thinking about referring the patient to someone else? I mean, do, does a, a chaplain or a local church have a part? And, and where do you draw the boundaries between what you can do in the consultation room and, and what should more appropriately be done by the Christian community or the church? I think it's vital. Uh, the body of Christ is, uh, is one of the strongest uh, uh, presence and the Holy Spirit can work through the body of Christ uh, amazingly. As a family doctor, I was, uh, my success was dependent on my referral uh, network. I had to uh, maintain my referral network professional, the cardiologists, the neurologists who I referred patients to. Uh, what I did, I always send them, for example, Christmas cards. And the same way I built up uh, my spiritual referral team too, for the five, six most common uh, problems. Uh, so it was not just random, oh, who can I contact? But I, I prepared uh, the team on the same way as I did with my, uh, with my professional referral uh, network. It's crucial. Gabor, you've been doing this now for, uh, you've been involved for more than 20 years in teaching saline, but also in, in practicing it as well uh, as, a, as a doctor. What uh, encouragements or suggestions can you give us about remaining consistent and faithful in, in doing this? What, what really keeps you going as a witness on the front line? You know, I think we have one uh, lifetime to participate in the Great Commission. So keep well our physical and our spiritual health until God allows us to run the race. So that's, uh, first of all, we have to take good care of us. We have to be refreshed by the Holy Spirit and then do whatever we can do. The, the time is short. I mean, uh, if we see the news from the wars and others, reminds us maybe Jesus is coming back soon. We don't know that, of course. But one thing I know, I have this lifetime to participate. Yeah. So uh, as many people we can equip, it's multiplying the opportunities for people in the world to meet Jesus. And that's, uh, that's my uh, driving force, my uh, passion. Yes, and uh, as you say, this might not be the last generation, but it's certainly the last chance for this generation. And it, we may be the, the only Christian who our patient comes across. And uh, I think one of the great things about saline process is that it is a process. As you've emphasized, it, it's not an event that happens, but it's a whole series of events that come together as the Holy Spirit uses what we and others do to draw himself to, to, to draw the patient towards Christ. And uh, it's, I think one of the great things about saline is that it really takes the pressure off this, this uh, feeling of, you know, we must evangelize and instead equips us by giving us the tools, understanding the spiritual process and helping us to be humble and recognizing that we're just one part of that process in the journey of a person's life. Gabor, it's been such a pleasure chatting to you today. And uh, thank you for, for coming and sharing your wisdom with us. And uh, thank you to each of you uh, for coming today and joining us on ICMDA webinars. May God bless you. And we look forward to seeing you again next week. Thank you.